Welcome along to the Wise Men Say podcast. We have a win to talk about, never in doubt. Um, joining myself, Stephen Colesworth tonight and Gareth Park, we have Stephen Elliott back after a bit of an absence from the show. Are you all right, Sleeves? How's it going, Stephen? You all right? Good, thanks, yeah. Uncanny. I mean, you made it an absence from the show. You make it sound like that sounds a bit ominous to me. No, like no, no it, wasn't, it wasn't a veiled dig or anything, Stephen. We, <laughs> we, we've never had it's not like we've been asking you to come on. You've said no, we just just seems like a while, you know. You go through patches, don't you? Wait for a top performance, weren't we? Yeah, yeah, waiting for uh for a win, something nice to talk about, um, which we certainly got. I mean, we could just we could just sum it all up and end the podcast now by saying he changed his formation back at 4 3 3, like we've all said, he put Sanderson in the team, um, and that's that. <laughs> Really, in a nutshell, isn't it? But you know, it just shows, though, doesn't it? This is stuff we've been mourning about for weeks. With that current, that previous shape, I wasn't working slaves, was it? And I was quite encouraged when I saw the team sheet because I thought it looked good. I thought it looked like it had good balance to it and four three three, which we've been crying out for. Yeah, I think so. I think looking at the start nine as well, I was happy to see Luke on nine back in back in the midfield area. I think his his energy and he's kind of. He zip around that, that that area of the pitch really helped the team. And I don't know, some, sometimes players can be contagious on the pitch and, and kind of like you can kind of feed off their energy. And I think he gives that Luke and I think he's been a big miss during his absence. And obviously, when you when you got Aidan McGeady playing playing the way, way he was the weekend, then it's it's nearly a given that you're gonna win most games. Yeah. His performance, your thoughts? Ah, it was it was out of this wall, wasn't it? Really? Like it's it's kind of a highlight reel in itself, some of the stuff he, he did with the football on Saturday. But now, again, as a neutral fan, never mind a Sunderland supporter, when you see players performing like that, enjoying the football and producing producing moments of magic the way he did the weekend, then it just makes it all... I know when we're at the grounds watching the game, but it still makes it a little bit more enjoyable on a Saturday afternoon, doesn't it? Have you um, played with him a lot in training and stuff? In I, yeah, I would have I, I, I come across Aiden. I think it might be an under 17s in the inter into Ireland the national kind of U teams and Aiden would have been a couple of years younger than than the the age group and I remember he got called in one time and for his first call up and again he's only a skinny little Scottish kid and he he was like a little bit full of himself and we were all thinking who's this guy because we 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 had heard about him at, Cel- at Celtic like know that he's meant to be like kind of the next big thing and honestly after the first training session we were all mesmerized by him some of the stuff that you know, the trickery the quick feet and that like and so I'm going back 17, 18 years or wherever it is. And yeah, it was, it was no surprise. It's no surprise for, for, for me, uh, for us to kind of see him go on and, and had a really good career. He might, some people may have said he underachieved in his career, but if you look at the amount of international caps he uh, achieved and some of the clubs he played for, then I don't think he'd done too bad. But again, even watching him there the weekend at, at the age he is, it's, he's still a joy to watch. Man, you can, defenders in this division, especially, can't get anywhere near him when he, when he turns it on. He still has that kind of, quick change of pace as well which not many players at that age would have and honestly he gets half a yard and, and the thing as well he has end product as we see him with his, with his assists for Charlie Wyke and obviously a couple of others when I think if Gooch had to put that one away we would have been would have been talking about that for a long time because yeah. that that makes on the halfway line was just absolutely ridiculous wasn't it but again that's something that he would do up probably, I bet if you speak to the majority of the lads in the squad they probably see him do that kind of all the time in training because he's, he's that cheeky like he, he, he has that ability that he probably he probably get away with it as well. I think you know it's a bit harsh to say he's underachieved when he scored in the Czech trade final 
for Sunderland, which should be the peak of anyone's career. But I feel like, you know, go, go, I mean, actually, Gareth, going back to that, you know, when he scored that goal and we there was a joke, wasn't there? It was like a, a cheat code for the league and stuff. It feels like that performance was that Aaron McGeady again, where it was just, you turn up every week and it was just insane to watch somebody look, 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 and maybe it was like, you know, like when, when somebody plays with, when you're a teenager and, you, and somebody's playing like four, years above them or something and they're like nobody can get the ball off them and stuff like that it was like that wasn't it again at the weekend although he got the two balls in the the check the trade final and he was excellent obviously I would argue that his performance at the weekend was better and arguably his best yeah I mean that period rather than the rather than the final time he's been yeah well I mean the there's a lot of talk about Aidan McGee generally isn't there anyway about you know obviously he was frozen out um, for a year, which now, even when he's not on it, he still makes things happen. It, you know, this season, even before the weekend, when he's got four assists, he's still got himself a couple of goals. He's still got, you know, three assists before then. So even when he's not at his absolute peak, obviously he's still coming back to fitness, mm. playing well, regular that's football. Thing, that's right, like. You, have to, you forget sometimes that he hasn't played really much football in the in, in the in the last year, and I think like like any player, he's shown kind of little bits here and there in the games he's played. But I think he looked fully fit the weekend, looked sharp, like mentally are it. And I think he's enjoying his football under Lee Johnson. It looks like he's kind of being given a new lease of life. Obviously, there was a, there was kind of the big fallout with Phil Parkinson uh, was highly document documented and. But I think he's found a, a new lease of life playing under Johnson, and Johnson has given him that kind of freedom to kind of go and express himself. And again, like you look at him, you, like I know he's he's coming up to thirty-five, is he? In the next couple of months or whatever it is, but you, he doesn't look like a thirty-five-year-old player. Like you know, he not looks this, like not at this level. No, not not, this that's what that's what I mean. Like so, I'm saying you're watching him play, and it's it's like obviously you have Grant Ledbetter in there again, who's done really well for Sunderland over the past couple of seasons, but you can tell Grant is kind of at that latter, latter stage of his year because he doesn't kind of bump forward and get in the box and not as much as what he would have done when he kind of broke onto the onto the scene at force. But I think with McGeady, like at this level, he still has that kind of, he still has that zip about him. He looks fresh and he looks like he, he, he can kind of go on and play for a few more years. I think looking at him, like he doesn't look like he's slowing down. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to compare him with Cristiano Ronaldo or anything because like yes, obviously that's on it. That's, that's on it. That's on a different scale. But I think at this level, it's a bit like that. I think people say Christian, Cristiano Ronaldo has a lot of years left at the top level playing the way he does, the way he looks after himself. But I think Aiden does as well. Aiden obviously looking at his body shape now as well compared to when he was a bit younger. He looks like he's a little bit more kind of buffed up like kind of leaner and kind of I think he's realised that he's getting on he might need to kind of look after himself a little bit more I think, I think Sunderland yeah I think they're reaping the team are reaping the awards and listen people I've heard Lee Johnson say he's a challenging player like to kind of manage which most most really good players are because they'll have an opinion and, and they'll speak up if they don't agree with something but the better managers are able to manage these players and I think Lee Johnson has realised that and I think to be fair to Jack Ross for a bit he kind of he got that right with Aiden a little bit because Aiden played quite well under Jack Ross. But I think obviously there was a clash there with, with Parkinson when he came in. But I think Lee Johnson has realised that he has a special talent at this level, and and he, he's gonna he's given him every kind of opportunity to go out there and express himself. Because let's be honest, we spoke about this so many. If, if Aiden McGeady's playing well, then let's be honest, Sunderland are a million miles better off, in my yeah. opinion. Anyway. Yeah. No. A couple of a couple think, of things on that. Do you think? Do you think the time of the team? Has helped him reflect on his on his age and his shape and stuff because he had a bit of a wobble before. And I'm not I'm not sort of defending Parkinson in in 
you know, in, in, in putting them out the team and sort of setting them aside. But there the was a little period around that time when he looked a bit out of shape and yet he doesn't now. And, you know, there's nothing, I guess, you've been in that situation, stage, haven't you, where a manager doesn't fancy you and he, he doesn't let you play and stuff like that. Do you do a lot of reflecting in those periods? Where was that again? Was that... Was that Ferguson? Darren Ferguson was that? Yeah, at Preston. I, I know. I kind of my nose was kind of put out of joint a little bit there. He, Darren Ferguson came in at Preston. He got rid of a lot of the senior lads and basically says he, he was going forward in a different direction. But it does. You got. You do kind of. You kind of sit back sometimes and kind of analyze the situation and think where where are you actually going in your career. And listen, now Aiden has a lot of experience in the game. Like he 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 would have been a little. He's a lot more experienced than what I would have been at that stage of my career. Like, but I think he's probably set back and realized he hasn't got loads of years left but th- those years he does have he wants to make make most of them and I think he's he looks like he enjoyed I think when he first came to Sunderland um, from Preston when, when Grayson brought him in I don't know whether he quite kind of got the grasp what the club was about you know what I mean at that fourth stage like you, you're looking at him and I don't know he's been at some big clubs obviously Celtic Everton uh, when he was out in Russia as well he's, been, he's played at some in some really international football he's played at some really high level um, games and I don't know, I think he just probably didn't quite grasp what Sullen's all about. And over the course of his time at the club, I think he started to realise that it's football is really important to the people of the area. And I think he's embraced a little bit. And if, put it this way, if the fans had been in the ground on Saturday, could you imagine the, the ovation he would have got coming off the oh, pitch after that performance? such a shame, isn't it? Do, do you know, it's, it's yeah. like... And I think like people say, oh, I, I for one, I, I, I know obviously the, the wage cap that's been talked about now that might not be quite as strict going forward now. So I don't I don't make the decisions on who stays at the club and where Lee Johnson sees sees the future of where his team is going. But for me, you have you have to get Aiden signed back on for at least another year at the moment, providing I just think that to lose him now in the form he's in, I know he looked to his age, but I think Sunland we can speak about putting a plan in place for the future and obviously that's why all the new lads have come in and try and fix the fix the club from from um top to bottom. But I just think for the for the near future, for the immediate we need to get out of this division. And I think having Aidan McGeady firing, he, he is probably the key to that. So I'd be, I'd be getting, I'd be getting a contract on the table fairly lively if, if I was the club. That's for sure. We've had a few people ask that actually. Um, when we, we put it, we put it on Twitter earlier. Did anybody have any questions? Um, a couple of contract situations, which, which we will get on to because there's another player who I think I'd like your opinion on. Um, do we think that the, the change in systems helped McGeady as well? Because I think, that it wasn't working for him currently. Two man midfield. We've seen this over the years. So many problems with Sunderland when they're it's, it's, two in the middle there. And but this this allows him. And I know he was he was dropping back, wasn't he? And a lot of people see they were like to see him in centre midfield, that kind of position because he's so creative. But it just seems to me that when he's got three people in the midfield, it gives him a little bit more of a platform to go and just sort of do what he wants with the ball and take control of the game. Do you not think though across the board that that I know there's like. A, a few ex-players who are kind of of the opinion that systems don't matter, formations don't matter, whatever. But I just think, like, especially at the moment with the new manager coming in, who obviously has got very specific ideas about what they want to do or how they want to play and all these sort of terminologies and this ideology and all this, this sort of weird 442 that he was setting up in and then the additional stuff on top it just makes us think well why you're just trying to do too much at once and going back to that some more familiar that with the 433 which when we've been 
good in this division. We've played that system generally, and or we have a, a front three anyway, where we've had obviously Gooch, Maguire, and White, or McGee, Maguire, and White, or you know, a combination of the three. Um, that probably, I, I think, familiarity probably helped at the weekend for everybody because you know, it's it's pretty simple, you, you already know what you're doing, and surely it's easy to introduce other principles to the play away from you know changing you know every aspect every aspect of everything you know yeah I, I think I agree Gary, a little bit I think what happened I think since Lee Johnson's come in listen now it hasn't been perfect don't get me wrong and there's been a few games and a few kind of substitute uh, decisions that he's made tactically that you probably would have questioned but one thing I will say about him the team are definitely playing a little bit more on the front foot and trying to get in opposition's faces and I think what are you talking about? The kind of the the four two two, or else the four three three, wherever wherever formation you look at, the principle doesn't really change. If you have players like walking hard up the ball and getting back in, I think that, that no matter what formation you play, you're you're gonna kind of you're gonna get a reaction on the pitch. But I think bringing having the three central midfielders in there does, I think, give the likes of McGeady and Gooch a little bit more freedom, knowing that that protection is behind them rather than just the two midfielders, because a lot of teams. Can, have, have been running through through Sunderland's midfield a little bit at times. I think the extra and the extra energy as well. I think Onion makes a massive difference because he's just like he's not an absolute unbelievable footballer. Like he's a good footballer, but I just think he if you watch him on Saturday right from the start, he was right up, right up, nearly up alongside White pressing. And then you look at him again two minutes later, he's on the edge of his own box, like like picking up balls. And he's kind of an old school kind of box to box midfielder. And I know they were playing in a tree, but I think. He helped Scone as well. I just think there was a little bit of a there was nice chemistry in there between himself and Scone, and obviously Gooch and McGeady in front of them, and obviously Bike is on absolute fire at the moment. And I think that's a, that's another thing we're speaking about. I think there's options now for the manager, like players coming off off the bench that can come in and kind of fish slot straight into the system. The likes of uh, Diamond and and um, um, what's his name again? The the guy from Rangers. His name's just yeah, so, John. Uh, John. Jones, yeah, Jordan Jones, and it's it's like you, you've got straightforward kind of. No, things aren't going quite well, right? Bring somebody on a little bit of zip, and I talk talk Gooch done well the weekend as well. He's another one that he's kind of been in and out since he's come back in, and yeah, no, and I think Max Power, like to be fair to him now, I wouldn't have been Max Power's biggest fan in midfield, but I thought he'd done all right the weekend. But again, whether that's having them two in front of him helped him because I just think not nothing on Grant Ledbetter. I think Grant Ledbetter has been superb, but I just think going forward, there's a lot of Saturday midweek games coming up and. I think it's very important that he's able to kind of bring other players in, the manager, and not worry about about them letting them down. And I think having Max Power in there, just sitting, I think that suits him a little bit more. He's played there a lot of his career, and and you've got the, the players in front and kind of doing their stuff. Then I, I'm really positive going forward. I really think it could be the start of a little run for the team. Hopefully, think it was a good moment actually after the uh, after one of the goals where the second or third goal after they kicked off again. Going back to um, you know what you're saying about crowd reactions to certain things, we force them straight after the kickoff. We force them right back into the their third, and uh, power came in with a proper crunch and tackle, and the ball ballooned out for a throw. And you just you could imagine like after just after scoring, and then power doing that, like the roar from the crowd after a tackle like that would have been tremendous. And, like he. You know, it was it was good to see him, like you say, Steve's role. 
a bit different, maybe to like early this season. He was seen to be more of the advanced player, didn't he? Like they were trying to get him. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's suited. I don't think that's suited yeah. Garrett. Yeah. Like, I think I don't get me wrong. He scored a few goals in during the past couple of years for some really good strikes from the edge of the box. But I think in general, he's kind of better behind the play and and letting other players have that little bit more zip about him to, to get up in support of the front men. And now I just think it looked like a really good balance. And you're kind of watching the game, watching the game Saturday, taking up a few minutes. Like obviously we got the early goal, but you're thinking. Here we go. This is something changing, and because it's not Doncaster are a good team. Don't don't forget, like they they've been doing all right this year. They've been one of the better teams in the league. So it's like it's typical Sutherland, really. Though you, against the, the teams that are doing okay, you think they tend to turn it on. But it's all we're looking at now is that consistency. That's that's the important thing. The, the manager and the squad need to find a way. I think I was listening to Aidan McGeady speak after the game to find that consistency because the the players know that they won't say it out loud, but they'd be looking at the league table and thinking, you know, we get a little bit of a run together. There's no reason why we can kind of get up into them automatic um, sp- uh, spots. But listen, you don't want to jump too far ahead of yourself because you know what happens. You, you could get a defeat and it all comes come crashing down. But no, I, I just I felt Saturday was a little bit different. Even the, I think Sanderson, even in, I like Sanderson at centre-back. Like I know Willis is going to be out for a while, but Sanderson, a young lad coming in, he looks he looks so comfortable. I, I don't know, he reminds me a little bit of Johnny Evans when he came in on loan that time when when they're on loan the first time round, it he just looks so assured for a young lad and and, can't, and he seems like he's a good character as well around the place confident he's not afraid to kind of try something if it doesn't go doesn't go quite right he doesn't get his head down and he he has got some decent blocks over the, even in the defeat last week he got a couple of good tackles in where I'm thinking he's, he could have a really big future and I'm hoping he kind of gets a kind of prolonged run in the team well at the weekend, and you know, we we got some questions on Twitter as well, and we'll talk a little bit about the the um, what's it called, Papa John's trophy. No, oh, I just begrudge using any Sorry, of those. Sort of, I begrudge using any of those sponsors. We'll talk about that as well. But I mean, you know, twenty minutes in another podcast here, and yes, a lot of it was the Adam McGeady show. But at the end of the day, Steve, and you're a striker. Somebody scored four goals for Sunderland, and we haven't mentioned them yet. So it, it wasn't the McGeady show; it was the McGeady and White show, or the White and McGeady show, wasn't it? Yeah. Now, nah, listen. What 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 can you say about um, Charlie White? I was just speaking to Garrett before we came on air there about when. I, I, listen, the last the last few weeks, I think he's been absolutely outstanding. If you look at him, like his, his body language, do you, do you not think his body language looks so different now when he's on the pitch compared to when he's playing under under Parkinson? It was confident. Like, he looks confident. Yeah, doesn't com- he? so I felt like when he was playing in that in under Parkinson, he didn't like. No, like I, you remember that stage where Parkinson was chopping and changing the strike pairings. He didn't know who quite to play. He was going with Danny Graham, bringing Will Grigg in, playing White now and again, and then. All of a sudden, you, you look at White coming out the pitch and he, he looks strong, he looks big, he looks like, yeah, I'm the man here, I'm the one to kind of take this team forward. And listen, his goal record speaks for himself. I think he scored 11 goals in his last nine games. Like So, listen, that's that's not to be messed around with. At any level, that's outstanding. But some of his finishing, like I know Aiden McGee, McGee putting him on a play from, but he's got to be in them positions to score. Like, and Obviously, we go back to the Pomo that, that Lee Johnson speaks about, and yeah, you, you, ha- you have to give you have to give credit to Lee Johnson because yeah. ultimately a manager's there to get the best out of the squad of players he has. And Charlie White has come into the into the was was signed by the club as a big signing at the time. Remember, he came in with yeah. a bit of an injury, and it didn't quite happen for him. He looked a little bit off the pace at times, and there was a lot of questions asked him. And I know Charlie because I played I played with Charlie briefly at Carlisle when when he, at, at the at the start of. Of his career, and I know he's he's a proper hardworking lad. Like he's he's really down to earth, and he and he puts all the effort in on the training ground. And 
I'm really happy for him to see him kind of get his rewards now. And you just, you just, I just know you can tell he's full of confidence. Like balls coming in the box, even he's finished there. The finish against Ipswich there a couple of weeks ago was like he made that look so easy. That was a, that was a really difficult finish, not the one where Max Power crossed yeah. the cross and got across um, the front man. But he's, it's no fluke that he keeps getting in these positions. And again, it breeds confidence, scoring goals. And I think he's all round play now in general as well. He's linked up play. The ball's coming up. It's sticking where I'm. Where at times before I felt. He kind of gave up possession a little bit too cheaply. He was giving away silly free kicks, no closing down. I don't think he gave many free kicks away the weekend. I think he's he's copped on. He's improving. Listen, he's improving. He's playing like this is this is probably the biggest move of his career. And it, 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 the onus is on him. He's Sunderland's number nine, and he, he is. He's grasping it now, and I think he's taking that that mantra forward. And long may it continue. I think that's the one thing. And we, we put so when Sunderland lost midweek, and um, we we put some stats out from the Wise Men's Twitter account. Um, comparing Lee Johnson's first 12 games to Jack Ross's first 12 games to Phil Parkinson's first 12 games, but also to those two managers, their final 12 games. What was obviously that run? And that was relevant because that deem of that was deemed not to be good enough. And those managers got the sack off the back of that. Uh, Johnson's stats weren't good. And, and, and it wasn't a great start in comparison. The one thing I think has, um, Bought him some patience on the fans, or that might sound daft. I'm not trying to suggest after 12 minutes you want to you want to be getting rid of your manager. But what I mean is the reason maybe people are, to, are prepared to give him the benefit of the doubt is because of what has happened with Charlie White, isn't it? And bringing McGeady back into the team because suddenly, if a manager's got your centre forward scoring prolifically, then the fans will be a little bit more patient and a little bit understanding and give him time to build what he's trying to build. Because suddenly you can see the bigger picture and you think, right, well, if he does manage to get some of these, you know, some additional players in, the players understand what he wants to do, that's going to continue. And, and that's what we want because yeah. we haven't had that. We haven't had that. A centre no, forward scoring regularly. Definitely. And I think, like, listen, I don't think, like, as I said earlier, I don't think Johnson's been absolutely perfect since he's come in. But one thing I will say, to be fair, that the, the way the team play is different. They're, they're in your face. And again, Charlie White is scoring goals. They've got the striker scoring goals. And, we, we talked about, since Josh Madger went, who's going to score the goals. You see Madger score a couple for Fulham last night in the Premier League, which tells you everything about his abilities. But I'm saying, well, who's going to score the goals? Charlie White, he, every game he goes on the pitch now, you're thinking he's going to score a goal. And when you're in a squad and you've you got players who, who you know are going to score the goal and going to turn on the likes of White, McGeady, like if Gooch can start adding a few goals to his game as well, because there's no doubt he's capable of doing that too. There's, there's, a, lot, there's a lot of pluses to kind of... The, the, to kind of be excited about going forward, like and yeah, no, John Johnson has to be given credit for that. Like football isn't is like being a manager isn't like it's not it's not really tactically. Yeah, it does help tactically, but it's about getting the best out of your players, making players feel good about themselves. And he's obviously done something with Charlie White that that's changed that because he's he's gone from literally looking like his head is on the ground to like being twenty foot tall and. The manager and the, the coaching staff have to be given huge credit. And it's like all of a sudden now you're, you're thinking to yourself, yeah, you're actually worried. You don't want to be negative, but you're worried thinking if he gets injured, who's going to come in and kind of replace him? Like, so it's that's how good he's been for Sunderland at the second moment. Second hat trick, second hat trick since Johnson's been here. Two, how many hat tricks did you get in your career? I only Please. got one, I only got did one. You? So he's, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. He's like, I'm, I'm just so he's record 11 goals in, in nine games. It's, it's outstanding, really, isn't it? Do you know, like, it's. It's better than one goal a game. And it, again, you just think if he can continue this form and get the lads around him, there's, there's no quality, there's no outstanding teams in this league. But you, the way Sullen were playing before this kind of, before Johnson came in, you didn't see any way the club could go on a run. 
there was no way you could look at that that Sunderland team before Johnson came in and said, you know, there's a run in this team. There's a, there's a good run, and even even there over the last few weeks, if you start the question, no one they've kind of fallen back into old routine. Like, but the formation, trying to find the right formation, the manager getting frustrated, coming out with a few kind of big wards, and probably a few supporters are getting a little bit frustrated. But at the same time. If you, you mess around with as a manager, you mess around, especially new to a job, you're messing around with the, with the players you have at your disposal. You mess around with formations to try and find something that clicks. And sometimes something just happens on the pitch, and you think, you know what, there it is. And I think mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm hoping, I hope this doesn't come back to bite me on, on the backside, but I'm hoping Saturday was a turning point because I just think even even the play, even even the players coming on the weekend, I think it was a straightforward change. They knew what the role is like. If, Diamond coming on, like if Diamond is on the bench and he comes on 20 minutes to go and the game is a bit tight where it's a bit stretched, in that formation, I feel like he's got a little bit more license to cause yeah. a bit more havoc than in that other formation when he's playing a little yeah. bit more inside. Full-backs in proper positions as well. Like Everything about it was balanced. I mean, the the goal, the four goals were remarkable. I mean, it was... If you think of when you watch football as a kid and you have a very simplistic view on it, don't you? And you can imagine, like, McGeady crossing the ball, White scoring the first goal. And as a kid, you would think... Well, why don't they just keep doing that? You know, as if it's easy, as if it's as easy as that, just to say, well, just keep doing that because that works. But they yeah. kept they kept doing that. Have you ever seen anything like that? Four four systems, well, four goals it's, of that well, it's, the, it's the quality of delivery, though, Stephen. Do you know, like it's, I go go to Liverpool in the Premier League, like their last season when they were flying. Their fullbacks were were like creating 70 percent of their chances and their goals, weren't they? Do you know what I mean? Like Trent, uh, Trent and Robertson, they were getting great balls into the box. All of a sudden. The quality for Liverpool's crosses aren't as good now going into the box, but that's the same for Sunderland. It's all fine getting into good positions and, and lashing balls over the head of like the forwards or overhitting crosses, kicking balls out of play. But <laughs> the cross, McGeady's crosses the weekend. Honestly, if you're a forward, like your your eyes are lighting up. Every single cross was bang on the money. And if you're a defender, they're they're horrible to defend against. And again, if you've got a striker in form in the right position, movement's good then He's going to score. Like, why, what's he, six for two, six for three? Any ball, kind of decent ball in the air. I'm not saying he's as good as Quinny in the air, but like, do you know what I mean? That, that was the, that's the kind of level he's playing at now, albeit in a different division. He, he, any ball that goes in there, you think White's going to get his head on this or going to get a volley to it. And it's a good way to be. And if I'm if I'm in that Sunderland training ground now, if I'm White, I'm after training every day, getting McGeady, Gooch, whoever, crossing balls in that box, just to keep the, keep the fire going and keep it born. And so you keep getting into that practice and doing it without thinking. And listen, I know I spoke about White's all-round game coming on, but even if his all-round game isn't great, well, he gets a couple of chances in the game and, and manages to put a couple away, then nobody will worry about the, the other side of his game. But I, I think that's another thing. He's actually, the other side of his game has improved too. He's looking more of a complete forward. And again, he's another one that contract-wise, I think, you know what, I, I'd be kind of getting him signed up as well. That's a question for you. I'm going to come to that with a question before we move on to the next bit. Gareth, I, um, I, I want to ask you, Sorry, I've been distracted, Gareth. You've got an open window behind you there in this temperature and this weather. Yeah. I, I can't handle that. Right, anyway. Um, quite mild today. Have you farting? The room I'm in gets hot. The room I'm in gets hot. working here all day and then, like, I'm back in here. And it gets really hot. In this house. Like, upstairs, this house gets hot, basically. Okay. So the uh, was this the game the most since lockdown, Gareth, where you felt like... Uh, you really um, feel like you wish you were there and the fans were there to, to witness these, this, you know, the performances from those two mentioned players in particular. It's, it's one, isn't it, that you would, you would look back on and it's not the same when you're watching it on the telly with no fans there looking back. Remember that time when McGeady set four goals up for Charlie White to score? 
that really hit me the yeah, more. The absolutely. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, obviously. But I mean, since been... the whole lockdown began, was this, would you say? Because I think this is the game that won the most that's made me miss it the most. Even though going into the game, I was probably the most down about Sunderland I've been in ages. Yeah, I mean, from a perspective as well, that I know Steve has mentioned, uh, well, you know, being a turning point and trying to make it a turning point. And I think if fans are in, it feels that way. You kind of get that momentum, don't you, together, where you all sort of, you have that connection at that point. You know, if if, if it looks like, you know, is this the moment we're finally going to kick in the gear? And you get that feeling around the whole place. And if you get the fans on side in that respect as well, it, it's, if you so you like moving forward together, like I'm like if think back, you know, under Keane, the prime one was Sheffield Wednesday, um, where we beat them four two down their place. Uh, you know, that it feels all that that was one of those moments where it was like, right, we're, we're on our way here. Um, you know, you you get these. There was a spell under McCarthy. I remember where we had a couple of mid midweek games and. In winter and we I think we beat Rotherham and Plymouth really comfortably in a couple of midweek games and Thornton was starting to turn it on. He scored a you know a couple of really good goals. Are we there and... yet though? I know it's a good win, but we haven't had this we haven't had good form still. There's no, one there's one no, result. What I, well you said Thornton was no, turning but... on was he turning it on in liquid? <laughs> that's a Scott great reference a great. I wonder how many of our listeners get that reference the liquid reference thrown um, out there yeah um, I know what you're saying but if we're going to talk about it being a turning point we'll only know that in a few games time I mean I've got uh, it's an interesting one at the moment because if you look at the fixtures now so in the next six Games, sorry, it's next seven games. We've got Burton, Fleetwood, Prue, Swindon, Rochdale, Portsmouth, and Wigan. So, this is the moment. If there's ever going to be a moment, it's we now. Just see how many times we had this conversation? How many times we had this? You know, talk the, on the this game. podcast. Well, if you look at the fixtures, you've the had Plymouth that game, you know, well, Plymouth when they hadn't won away from, from home all season, and we yeah. on that podcast the day before, we were like. Now's the time, Sunderland. Come on, you're playing against a team who haven't won away all season. Now's the time to really put your foot down and get a get a grip of it, and then you know. Uh, do you know? What, but I guess. Do you know? What? Mm. No, I was just going. Go on, guys. Go on, sleeves. No, sorry. Go on. No, I was just going to say. I often wonder what it's like for the players now. Like, no, actually, no one to get a win, and they're playing in front of no fans. It's, it's it has to be less enjoyable, you know, because I, I think back to when I played. It's not better when you when you like know if you're on the back of a good result and the crowd are there and you're kind of mingling with them and you're celebrating with them I just think I wonder what the players are thinking at the minute like it's 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 not quite the same do you know and it's it's like you say you, you're kind of getting on that kind of crest of a wave like no together with the fans like you mentioned I think that's that's something that would probably affect Sunderland more than anybody because I think Sunderland supporters are a little bit more I don't know they're just probably a little bit better than your average fan when t- like knowing things are kind of when you're kind of getting that momentum like there's nothing better and I just think that's something that that the team probably are missing out on when they do pick up a good result. They haven't got that crowd to kind of, you know, come on, let's go, let's kick on into the next one. And they haven't defined it from amongst themselves. And listen, don't get me wrong, there's no reason why they can't find it from amongst themselves. But I just think having the crowd there would probably help to help the squad massively. Like, no, after the weekend there, you have to play in a game like that. 
how excited would would the fans be going going into the next game, the next away trip? You'd be buzzing, wouldn't you, as a supporter? Whereas players are going to have to create their own energy. And I, I, I don't know. I think looking at, at the squad, they're capable of doing that. And I don't know. I'm just really excited. I think it, I think it's it's a chance now. I think to kind of put a marker down. There's still a lot of points to play for and kind of change that that, that average point situation for the better. Definitely. Well, we'll come really, back. We'll you're, talk- looking at, you're looking at those. Sorry, I was just no, going to say, on. look at yep. all the fixtures, really. We should be targeting 12, 12 points minimum, really. But we have to because we'll, we need to start beating some of these teams down the bottom consistently. We need this, you know, instead of like getting good results and they get in the teams in the top seven, eight, and then dropping points to MK Dons and Plymouth and Wimbledon and Burton and Wigan. Because you don't get you don't get promoted if you do that. You should be walloping them, and then when the you know when the other teams, fans, and players look at the results when they go into the dressing room on a Saturday afternoon and they go, you know, they might have dropped a point and they look at the results. So someone beat three 0 or you know, and then they go, they're breathing down our necks here, and we've all we've got to play them all again and our record. Against, as I say, that top top six is we've only lost to Portsmouth, I think, out of those teams. We beat, we've beaten, we've thrashed Doncaster, we've thrashed Lincoln, um, and our air our is really good. And we've still got some of those teams to play away from home in in Peterborough, um, for example. So, yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting one, like, um, but the need make it count because the wins against the top teams don't count. For anything, if you chuck it in against the absolutely, you know, this is what we've said over and over and over again. We've got some questions um, from uh, people because we stopped doing that for a couple of years for some reason. Um, but we do like people who engage with us, and we'll, we'll ask slaves uh, helps when he got a couple of years. Well, uh, if you think about it, we used to have a section every single podcast where we would like get the listeners' uh, questions and opinions. And we just seem to stop doing it anyway. Um, and we'll talk about the uh, the semi final of this, whatever it's called, dot com trophy. Um, quick one because people are, I've, 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 you know, people are listening. I've kind of like hinted at the question sleeves. So before we go to the break now, um, yes or no answers. Contract for Aidan McGeady? Yes. Contract for Charlie White? Yes. Okay. Charlie White one's interesting, isn't it? Because some people are suggesting that we should, you know, he's going through a purple patch. He hasn't shown this before. We at the end of the season, but he can speak. He can speak to who he wants soon. And it's like, you know, he, it's he's got yes, he's got the power in it. But if somebody's scoring like this so prolifically, are you in a position to not offer him a contract? The thing is, though, I think if you offer Charlie a contract, he probably signs. And I know he's probably in a really strong position now. Our contract, twenty-eight years of age, probably thinking, you know what. Like, I could get a really big deal somewhere, but at the same time, I think he's from the northeast, he's playing for Sutherland and banging goals in. He's in the form of his career, right? Why on earth would he want to leave if the club can offer him a contract? I'm not talking about just offer, he needs to be offered a, a decent contract, you know what I mean? Like, and I know people say, Where was he for the first couple of years? But listen, sometimes it takes a little bit of time to settle in. He was carrying injuries, and it takes the right manager to find that, that formula that, that suits the player. But if I'm, if I'm in charge of contracts, you've got to be looking at 
you got to be you got to be getting him penned in. He's just scored eleven goals in nine games, yeah. and you're trying to get out of this division. It's it's the immediate. You need to get out of this division as quick as we can, and immediately he's he's the best striker in the league at the moment. So why think, would you yeah. not offer him a deal? There's an element of gamble, isn't it, Gareth? In, in every decision like this, where you're thinking about giving contracts to players, but I think just you've just sometimes you've got to go with your gut, and I think it's because we've seen this run of form since this new manager's come in and playing in a certain way that seems to suit him so much, is it more of a gamble that he doesn't give him a contract and goes to try and find somebody else who's who's going to score 11 oh. in nine, as Slaves is saying? As it stands, there's, there's no guarantees that we're going to go up this year. So you want to be working on the basis that if you are going to be in this division next year, the striker, he, he'll likely score 30 goals in all competitions this season. Oh, he's got 21 it. now. He'll be shit now for the next well, time. What do we say about changes, Stephen? I'm he's, saying he's that got, just because of your he, feeling against Jinxon, against yeah. Jinxon and so the possibilities of it. So we've got... If we get the checker trades, not checker trades, Papa John's final, we've got that game on the in the week, that'll be... We've got another 21 games. So if he gets nine in his next 21, which you'd fancy him on his form, he's getting 30 goals this season. <laughs> So if we let him go in the summer, even if you go up, you might as well carry him on, because mm. you, 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 he can sign a, an option. He can sign a pre-contract now or a different club tomorrow exactly. if he wanted. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So exactly. I wouldn't yeah. be like hanging up. And I know it's obviously there's risks and everything, but there's calculated risks, and I think there's kind of there's risk and reward. I think I don't think it's a huge risk given Charlie Wyke another contract. He's you not going to get huge money. He's not going to demand yeah. huge money, is he? No, listen. Listen, we, we can get a little bit overly overexcited and stuff. At the end of the day, right, he, he's, he's, he's a top striker in League One. So you're thinking, okay, championship level. He's not proved himself at championship level yet, right? So we don't know. But it's horses for courses. So at this moment in time, Sullen are a, a League One club. So they need to get out of this division. I don't think, again, all that behind the scenes stuff, sorting out the academy, young players. Like we can, we could be here all day talking about some of the young players that have been let go for next to nothing over the past few years. But that, that's we'd need another couple of podcasts for that. But at the same time, Sullen they're in the now, right? And they're in League One now. So we have the best striker in the division playing LV Skin. The like, there's a chance that the club, hopefully, hopefully we're wrong. There's a chance the club could be still in this division next year, even if they if. If you give him a new deal now, right, he signs it and the club get promoted. Okay, worst case scenario, get to the championship and White isn't quite as prolific or not quite as good. Then I don't think he's going to, I don't think he'll, he'll struggle himself like to go and get another club at this level. So from my point of view is, I think if you offer him a good deal, he'll sign it. And I just think you have to, you ha- you, you, I don't even think there's a debate in the, in the question at the moment, to be honest. I think he has to be given... Has to be offered a new contract. It's up to himself, obviously, if he's happy enough in the at the club. And but from what you're hearing from the like from the outside, he seems really happy playing under Johnson. Again, he's a northeast lad, so that that will help a lot. Like you know what I mean? You're, you're living, you're living probably a home with friends, family. So I don't know. I think it'd, it'd be crazy not to offer him something. But that's just my tuppence word. I mean, if you're being if you're being clinical about it as well, right? So he signs a deal, scores the goals, gets you promoted. If you don't fancy him in the championship, there'll be plenty of clubs in League One. I'll be like, how much you want for a man who scored 25, 30 goals in League One last season, got you promoted? Like, if you, like that's football, isn't it? I mean, it's just, that's what I mean. It's a calculated risk. It's yeah. not a huge yeah. risk, really, is it? It'd be a bigger risk to let him go, like him 
say for us not to go up, yeah. him to score all those goals and then us let him go to another Ma- team. Imagine in the, this, in right? The same. Exactly. Yeah. Like Sunderland don't go up this year. He goes to say a Portsmouth and he goes and scores 30 goals for Portsmouth next year and they pip Sunderland to automatic promotion. Like, I know it's all kind of hindsight, but like they're the type of clubs I think that would be interesting for him if he becomes available, do you know? Yeah. Mm. Quite emphatic, quite an emphatic yes, then I think for that. Right. We'll take a little break. We'll come back. We'll talk about that semi final and uh, answer you some of your questions. As we are all hoping for a change in season and a better future quite soon with everything that's going on, you can start to think about wearing your clothes again and your attire and hopefully getting back to the match. From the terraces would be my suggestion, Gareth. What do you think about that? I totally agree. I mean, I mean, if you say, for example, you're one of the, you know, next in line for your vaccine, get yourself a from the terraces polo shirt, um, from from the terraces dot uk. Use a code WMS ten to get ten percent off. I mean, you can just stride in there looking great. You don't even you don't even have to roll any sleeves up because you've got the polo on and just hitch it slightly and just straight in there with the jab. So you can look great while you're getting vaccinated. I mean, that's basically like Sleeve said. You go into the shop, so you're going out and get vaccinated now. Or you're doing some exercise, so you could go for a run in a polo shirt, I guess. The pubs you want start to. thinking about it. it's a good it's a good time to get in now, um, and it's close for all seasons as well. That's a thing. So if if we suddenly uh, can go to the matches sooner than we think, well, weather's still rubbish. You can you can get all your coats and your jackets and your long sleeves. Uh, or you can get your polos and your short sleeves ready for the summer as well. You've um, you've purchased history as well with um, from the terrace of sleeves and endorsed it for us. Yeah, it's good stuff, good quality. You know what I mean? Good t-shirts, polos, crew 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 tops. Yeah, I like it. Just looking good. forward to being able to wear it again. Yes, exactly. And you can get ten percent <laughs> off if you use a discount code WMS ten. Listen to the podcast as well. A couple of idiots. Um, Host one of those every week. Um, which is a light-hearted look at football, to be fair. So it is it is it is good. Check it out and give it a listen. Right. Okay. So um sleeves I, we were talking before. Um, I don't know if you've changed your mind on this, but you've never really been for this competition this season when we've had previous conversations. Now we're in the semi-final, is it different? No, no, I, <laughs> I, 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 listen. Put it this way: if 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 you win the semi final and you're going to go to Wembley, we're a, we're a full house behind you, and yeah, it makes it a little bit more wild. But I don't know. I just, to be honest with you, I just want the club out of this division and the checker trade or whatever you. I keep saying that the Papa John or whatever you call it. Just remind. <laughs> just I just think it's a reminder that you're still in League One. I think that's all the trophy is. Do you know, like, and even Gareth's this, got, Gareth's it, got the opposite opinion of this. So well, is, is it not, there's a good debate of this. Is it not this year? Like, I think they're playing the final of last year's tournament on the yeah, Saturday. Yeah, yeah, on, yeah. On the, so, like, I know Portsmouth are in the final last year's final this year, aren't they? And they're the holders, mm. aren't they? Obviously, so they they could keep hold of the trophy for a day and then give her up the day after, or else who's it? Accrington and Salford. Salford, sorry, Salford. So they could actually win a win a trophy and hold on to it for about twelve hours. Like they should be made. They should be made to present it to the winners as well. They should win it, exactly. and then the the captain's forced to come on the pitch and he's kicked. Nah, listen, Joe, and joking, hand, it, <laughs> hand it over to the new to the new get captain. That, get that. Um, joking aside, yeah. Joking aside, I think it's. Yeah. Joking aside, I think you you probably look at the the tournament. That, 
it's a, it's a chance to win another game of football and a trip to every player. Why now? Oh, I never got to play at Wembley as a player, like so. I'm sure I know. Obviously, the lads have played there quite recently, a couple of times. But I suppose it's a, it's a chance to go and play at Wembley and maybe no Lee fans. Johnson. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It'd be it'd be ironic, wouldn't it? If someone yeah. go and win. Oh, it's bound it's bound to happen. They're bound but, to win and like break the yeah. Wembley curse when there's no the thing fans is, there. Though, so, yeah. As well, it, it might be a chance for Johnson on Wednesday. Will he kind of look at a few different players and different like will he will he play? Diamond again in this formation, John. Do you know well, what I mean? Have we've, a look. Had, we've had people ask us as sleeves, and, yeah. and, and Gash has said, has asked this, and great result and performance on Saturday. Do you think we should stick to a the same formation, be the starting eleven? I, for I this would game on the next yeah. few. I just think with the amount of games coming up in the in the next few weeks, I'd probably uh, you wouldn't want to change it massively because you don't want to interrupt, like especially the like. No, if you you got Sanderson in there where. But right, you know, building up that relationship, you wouldn't want to be changing it massively. But at the same time, you don't want to you don't want to pick up a silly injury with with players like overplaying and like the pitches are a bit heavy at the moment. And again, it's a chance for Johnson to look at other players that didn't play the weekend in this new for, uh, formation and see if they can kind of produce as well as the lads did the weekend and give them a few kind of questions to answer. But massive change I'm not actually that bothered about this tournament to be honest with you like so if you still want to chat about it then I'd love to use <laughs> <laughs> if you, if you, you were said a forward though, you were said a forward you're going to want to play if Charlie White's going to want to play isn't he he's scoring goals every game um, yeah I'm sure he will I'm, listen it wouldn't and I wouldn't put a pass him if he does play he'll score but again sometimes he, he, there is a lot of games like you say and imagine he plays and gets injured now I know it's all hindsight and, and stuff but so you got to look at the squad as well. You want to get players minutes. You want to keep the squad happy. There's a lot of players that are probably thinking, you know what, I want to play some football too. So I think it's a good opportunity to maybe bring some lads in that, that didn't play the weekend and make them part of things, make them feel part of this this kind of turnaround. But like ultimately, it's a trip to Wembley at the uh, at the end of it if, you, if, you, if you're successful. And again, I don't know. I'm sure, listen, Johnson, I suppose another thing, Lee, Lee Johnson coming in will probably be thinking, you know what, win a trophy as Sunderland manager at Wembley, the first, man, first Sunderland manager to do that in, in, in forever like so I'm sure he's got that in the back of his head as well like from his own personal point of view so no but again me personally I just think this this trophy now for a club like Sunderland it's just a, a reminder that they're in a division where the size of the club shouldn't be I, th- I feel like that though when you play you can get beaten off Shrewsbury and things like that so yeah but so when you me, play against Shrewsbury yeah but when you play against Shrewsbury Garrett you, you have a chance to win that game to help get yourself out of that division so you're winning the check or the, the Papa John's it's not really doing anything to help you get out of the division is it that would be my point but I would say we, do, uh, we didn't beat Shrewsbury though did we so yeah. that, that makes it worse that's my point like, I mean my, my view would be if you've got the semi-final you might as well try and win it I mean yeah, well, that's obviously. You know, but do you think Portsmouth fans are buzzing? That, yeah, yeah. We're going to defend our our Papa our Papa John's trophy. <laughs> well, do you know what I mean? Oh yeah, we. Do you know? I don't know. I just maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they are. Maybe that's where they're at. But I I always thought of Portsmouth like as as a kind of a, a one of the so called bigger clubs, and again, not as big as Sullivan, but I would see them as kind of a at least a top, at least a championship club. Do you know? Like so, I don't know. I suppose you'd have to ask some Portsmouth fans that question. But if, if you're playing though, surely though, on the, I know what you're saying broadly, but on the day, of the, on, on well, Wednesday, when you're preparing, you're not thinking... You oh, yeah, wanna, yeah, as a you player, you're going to win. Obviously, that goes around exactly. saying. You're playing, you're playing the game at Tiddlywinks, you want to win that. Like, it's just, that's the competitive side of being a footballer. But I'm just thinking, 
in the bigger picture, if Sunderland get beaten by Lincoln and go on and get promoted automatically, I wouldn't. Would would you would you would you look back on that game against Lincoln and go, oh, we missed out on a trip to Wembley with no supporters? Yeah, that that that's. I think no, that's no, but like, Miles, no well, miles off getting promoted at the moment. So, <laughs> well, not really. I looking at the league table. You when you get, I like, I know obviously Doncaster a few games in hand, but you look at second place there. Sunderland win the game in hand. They're only two points off an automatic slot. Uh, slot. Well, we've so, been asked that as well, slave. So so Tony um, H. Does Sunderland have a realistic chance of top two finish? Oh, sorry. Actually, there's another layer to this question. Does Sunderland have a realistic chance of top two finish if Wags' form drops off or if he gets injured? Now, which players could we not afford to lose for a length of time? Well, obviously, Wyke. If you lose Wyke, then you're losing a massive. You're losing eleven goals in nine games if you lose Wyke. So it's I Wyke think and it's, McGeady, isn't it? Wyke yeah, McGeady sure this tonight. Yeah, well, and listen, we, we haven't even mentioned Lee Borges two penalty saves. And yeah, I was just thinking that. You know, <laughs> was just, somebody saves two penalties. I don't. I don't know if he listens to the podcast, but like uh, he'd be sitting at home thinking, you know what I mean? Fast, probably listening fast forward and thinking, oh, when are they going to mention me penalty saves? Uh, at least we didn't that, mention that, his, at least we didn't mention his own goal. Like, but, that's, but, you know, but that's how bizarre that game was, wasn't it? Like yeah. we've got we've got a goalkeeper who saved two penalties. I don't think oh, I can never remember saying that. I don't think off the top of my head for Sunderland and it didn't even get mentioned because you've got well, he saved two pens and scored an own goal. So that's definitely got to be a record, hasn't it? Yeah. Well, uh, Doncaster any... played Lincoln the other week and Lincoln missed <laughs> two penalties against them. Um, how bad were Doncaster's How bad were Doncaster's penalties, by the way? Blood. Well, you that know? second one, it's like it's a modern day thing, isn't it? Where he, I, I had a feeling he was going to miss because I could see he was doing that thing of like waiting for the keeper to go down. You know, like mm. like Jorginho and uh, you know Fernandez and stuff do in the Premier League. And mm. I, I thought he just, but he just didn't look comfortable doing it. I thought if Burge be, should wait, yeah. to fix it, you know what? I, I was happy to see. Borges. that's another thing I never mentioned. I was happy to see Borge back in the team. Yeah. After after yeah. like I didn't under, like listen. I don't think like Borge has his limit limitations and that but I think he's a lot better than Matthews you know what I mean he, he's he's a bit bigger presence in the goal as well whereas I look at Matt no again it's probably a bit harsher Matthews but I just every game he plays you just I don't feel confident when he's in the goal and again at least with Borge he, he, he has made some decent saves over time you know I know he's made a few few rickets as well but he has made some some okay saves and again he's like any player if he, the more he the more he plays then hopefully and he makes a couple of penalty saves he might be a little bit more confident Kind of in the next few games, so like he's, I don't know. I just think you got to stick, you got to stick with him in the net now, like, and just hopefully that he doesn't throw any more in the net. Mm. Yeah, I mean, before we get in the questions, Gareth, would you would you change it up much? What's your your thoughts on it? As, as somebody, because you, 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 yeah, because you've got obviously you and slaves have very different opinions on this game and this tournament. Um, so you know, would you? A lot of people want to know if you just you you come off the back of a good win like that, would you keep it keep it as it is, or would you would you give some of the fringe well, players a chance? You're gonna to have to take Sanderson, aren't you, out because he's cup tied. So yeah. I'm hoping Flanagan will be fit, but if he isn't, then he's you're probably gonna see McLaughlin go to centre back, aren't you? We haven't got any others left, have we? Um, so you probably have to go to centre back if, and then you you've got the right back issue. So power might go back there, or nine might go yeah. back there. So. Um, already, that kind of messes things up a little bit. Should have brought um, right back in. Craig Clark keeps saying it when he gets his when he gets his airtime on the pod. <laughs> should have just brought a right back but, in in the um, transfer window. I think generally, and you know, is 
a, a lot of the players there, uh, once you've got that 4 3 3, are interchangeable. Um, you know, if you bring Jones in for one of the wide players, if you, you could bring Maguire in for one of the wide players, if you wanted to, he could put O'Brien up front. You know, he could he could bring Ledbetter in for power. Um, there's there's options there or, or score or whatever you want to do. So there are, I don't think making it two or three changes significantly weakens. Obviously, Winchester could come in, forgot about him, but I think he's been injured. So, um, there's there's options there that I don't feel as all. If he makes eight or nine changes, then I think you've got a problem in terms of cohesion, you know, in that group. But I think if he, if he makes, makes eight or nine three, changes, it's probably tells you that he doesn't care that much yeah. about the tournament. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, we've had a, a, a tweet from Eddie, who's a, a loyal listener of the show. And I really wish you'd done this five minutes ago, Eddie, because it would have been a good link for us. It would have been a good segue for us to do the from the terrorist stuff because he's saying to sleeves on an E from the terrorist's quality clothing and did he use the WMS 10 discount code? That would have been a great question to start with that. But sleeves has answered that he does. Don't know if you use a discount code in mine. I would hope you did. Oh, of course, mate. Anyway, you've got to get your bargains in, haven't you? <laughs> you have uh, a couple of random questions which we'll 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 get back to. Um Glenn says he's saying, did you could you have ever done what McGeady did before that past the gooch? Yeah. When nah, the Donny midfielders were looking on and thinking, I don't think I don't think I I probably try that type of thing to be <laughs> honest with you. In fear of it going wrong, but again, like I spoke earlier, you're on in the pod. That's McGeady all over. He's not afraid to try anything because he has that ar- arrogance and confidence in him. Who's your hat against? I, I, for Ireland on the 21s against Poland for my debut. So yeah, oh. it wasn't in league football, but it was it was a big moment on your international 21s debut. On your debut. So did you think yeah. he was going to score hat tricks all the time? I just that? thought this this is easy, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but now now it was good. Like well, now that's what I'm saying. Even for White, they've done two of them in the last how many weeks is it? It's 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 fairly impressive. Like. Yeah. It is. Um, Matthew M. Jacko, 1989's saying, what do you think about the whole Will Griggs situation? Was the move motivated by money? Did he feel the pressure of being a £3 million signing as his time up at Sunderland? Um, I just think it's one of them where you, you look at the player, obviously he's got history of doing well in this division and the club paid probably a little, well, a lot over the odds for, 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 for a player in this league and it just didn't quite work out. For what reason? Only only the player will probably know more than more than the rest of us. It'd be nice to hear Will Grigg actually speak about her in depth at some stage to, to, give, to see what his kind of opinion on things are. But again, he was playing in a, in a system that I don't think suited uh, forward players under Parkinson. If he had given a little bit more time with this new guy, would he have kind of come good? We don't know. But Sunderland aren't in the, in the, <laughs> haven't got enough kind of time on the hands to be kind of hoping and I'm messing around, waiting for somebody like that to come good. But good luck to him. Listen, he's he's gone to MK, and it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise you if he scored eight or nine goals from now till the end of the season for MK. Because as I said, he's he's got capabilities at this level, and it just didn't quite work out for him. But listen, he didn't seem like a bad lad. So good luck to him. Len also asks if we know who posted four four three as the formation. Yeah, it was Craig Clark. Like, um, um, with Will Grigg, do you think Will Grigg's getting paid more? Do you, think he's getting, do you think he's getting paid? Because I was going to be a really question now, and then I just uh, a question popped into my head. Um, is Will Grigg getting paid more than Josh Madrid got offered? Do we think? I would say so. Yeah. It's this is just fucking insane, isn't it? 
Like you're watching Josh Madger score two for Fulham and we all probably knew he would get to the Premier League as a young player. And you're offering somebody who's only really ever done it at League One level more money than him and and, and being out of pocket of the whole time. That just sums up the whole shit show of the last couple yeah. of years. Uh, listen, I don't think anybody, like Madger, in the round of boxing when he was at Sunderland, there's no doubt he was going on to, to a higher level. He was just, it was natural for him. He obviously, you know, he, for a young age to be able to do that so kind of regularly and so composed the way he put the ball in the net. I'm not surprised to see him scoring goals in the Premier League. Maybe a, this early, like in his career, a little bit, but I'm not surprised. I think he was a special talent. Mm. Depressing that, isn't it? Um, watching it, but please for Josh, I think as well. Um, but just, just it makes you think better that um, that first season, doesn't it? But some random questions now for your sleeves. Um, Daryl Gray is asking, have you ever met Joe Royal or do you know any stories about him? Of course I've met Joe Royal. He was manager of Man City yeah, when I first signed. I thought he so was. I, I met him a few times, big Joe. Yeah, he, was, listen, he didn't have much to do with him, but yeah, he, was just, he just had a big head. I remember that. <laughs> Metaphorically or, or literally? No, no, like literally he had a, he had a really big head. But he was, listen, he's he's great, great footballer, wasn't he? And he'd done well, well as manager for a, for a number of years too. Did he sign? Did he sort of when you were signing for Man City? Did did you get to speak to the manager? Did oh, he like come to your house or anything? You, no, 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 no. I was like you kind of signed with the academy, like the director of the academy, and then like you would have kind of they kind of brought your own main role at the time, introducing you to Joe Royal, his assistant Willie Donaghy, and that, and they were saying, yeah, come to City, it's the best club in the world. It's not the usual stuff, but other than that, I didn't really have much to do. I would have been only in the. In the on the, he wasn't there for long when I went. So like after I kind of went signed for City, it wasn't too long before Kevin Keegan took over from him. So was it Kevin Keegan who sold you? It was. Uh, no, I went on a free. Like I left. They offered. They they wanted to keep me, but I was at the end of my contract, so I I left. No, I didn't realize that. I thought we I thought we mm. bought your slaves. Well, you had to pay. I think someone had to pay because it was I was under twenty four or something like that, wasn't it? So, you know, the tribunal stuff. Okay, right. Um, Ian Graham. Whose uh, Twitter handle is our broth Macam said brown or red sauce on lawn sausage? Do you have lawn sausage in Ireland? Did it transfer square, across? Square, square sausage. Yeah, the Scottish it? square sausage what? thing. Yeah. No, nah, well, actually, I'm good friends, obviously, with Ross Wallace, and every time I go visit Ross, which hasn't been a lot recently with the COVID, he'll always make me a, a square sausage or a brown sauce on it. So brown is your answer. Brown sauce, yeah. yeah. Similar. So there was a. <laughs> There was a shop in Philadelphia, right, in Sunderland, where this fella used to sell lawn sausage sandwiches, and it was really weird when I was at college. So if you ever went to Shiny College, uh, then if you went there, get in touch. It was very, very strange, man. It was like it was like the League of Gentlemen. And he, what he offered up once when we went in, well, I don't think he'd be alive anymore, to be honest. He was quite old then. <laughs> but he once came out and presented a lawn sausage sandwich with a lettuce leaf on it. And was acting like it was this like revolutionary culinary masterpiece. So that was me and my mate often still quote him. So brown sauce, red sauce, or a lettuce leaf. I would just have red, I think. Let hold the lettuce. Yeah. It's not much. I, I'm not really. Don't, I don't, don't have brown, I don't have brown sauce so much, yeah. to be fair. I don't think you have a bit of lettuce with a sausage now. That just doesn't ring. That no, doesn't no, sound great, right, does it? Like, yeah. It was baffling. Still confuses me now. <laughs> Any more um, really good questions? Yeah, well, Jay Constance asked a similar one. He wants to know, well, this has sparked a debate off actually because somebody's come back and commented on his question, sort of dismissing what he's saying. So they want to know what your answer is. 
um, and that'll be the definitive one, I think. Um, is a hot dog a sandwich? Um, it's just a hot dog, isn't it? <laughs> is it a sandwich? It's like a sausage burger. <laughs> <laughs> so yes yeah, or no? I'd say no. Anything between it's two? Not, it's anything not a within bread? I don't is think a, a, a hot dog's not a sandwich. There. There you go. Is it a burger a sandwich? Which? A, the the called burger a sand. They refer to it as a sandwich. Nah, I call them a burger. So if you go to McDonald's, if you, no, but but if you go to McDonald's, it'll say, "Do you want the meal or just the sandwich?" Yeah, that's true. But again, so do, I, so does a does a hot dog fall into which or is it a different category altogether? I don't know what it is. It's its own cat. It's a dog, isn't it? <laughs> it probably does on paper but nobody will call a sandwich another another daft one sleeves food based questions I don't know what people's crack is but Malcolm and Morgan was saying uh, what's your favourite French meal do you know what French would you, have you got a particular French meal he's gone French fries he's gone no, he's gone you went there I thought you just jacked it in I thought you were French, saying that's enough French fries <laughs> we'll take that right look yeah we, we've it's been good to talk about the uh, the win again, um, and it is only one win. It is weird because, like, in isolation, we've been here so many times before. Where we're saying, you know, if you take the game in isolation, I mean, we've been here so many times before where we've had a good performance, and we we'll say, um, yeah, actually, you know, we've never really backed that up. But you do get the sense that people are optimistic, and you, you certainly are, stays, aren't you, that you feel like something's clicked. Yeah, I just think Saturday was a little bit different than, than previous victories. I think there was a little bit more fluency in the team. <clears throat> Energy, 09 in there makes a big difference. McGeady, obviously, back back to kind of, back to his best. Not that he was playing poorly. I don't think he was playing poorly. I know some of the things, and he, he kept the ball away in certain games and positions where you think, you know what? But again, I, I, you wouldn't want to stop trying that, because when it comes off, you, you get what you're seeing on Saturday and I think we just need to see more of that and if he keeps up to kind of even anywhere even half of a performance like that what we'll be seeing the weekend and Sunderland will be alright mm-hmm. and with the takeover hopefully going through optimism finally do we think being positive trying to be positive as we can before our inevitable fucking three defeats in a row following from this um, <laughs> just trying to throw as many things into the mix as we can yeah. back next um, Monday I'll be out of the cup and lost to Burton <laughs> Burton are our hockey team as well. They're playing well as well. Has Jimmy Floyd gone back there, hasn't he? Yeah, he has, yeah. They've turned the corner a bit, haven't they? Mm-hmm. Right, okay. Right. Anybody I Anybody did. else? Anybody else? Anything to add before we wrap it up? Well, I'm, going, to do. I'm going down for a hot dog sandwich. We're out the yeah. sandwich part. <laughs> going for a sausage burger. Put some, <laughs> put some lettuce on it. Right. As always, thanks for listening. Cheers, lads.